patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicate to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 93 of Friends and Fellow Citizens on this Memorial Day week of 2022. I'm Sherman Tylosky, your host. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'll start off today's episode with a brief story. So one time in 2019, I had the opportunity to intern on the Hill. It was a wonderful experience and I was riding the Metro and I lived in Virginia. So you have to cross the Potomac River. Well, Cross, I mean, really mean going under the Potomac River in this case, riding the metro, the subway in Washington, D.C. And since I was little, I was always fascinated, especially when I went to a new part of the world, of learning or memorizing station names. And I guess it really helped me out with navigation, be able to get to know where I'm going. And I used to commute back and forth between Roslyn Station, Roslyn and Arlington, and uh, Capitol South Station near the Capitol Building, and in between, I was I would always see these station names. There's one station name in particular, and I'm always fascinated with things or places that are named after people. And one station, and for those who've been to D.C. or frequent on the D.C. Metro, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's a station called McPherson Square, which is named, as the name suggests, after a a public square like a small park. And other than being a station that was always full of people during rush hour, I didn't know why it was called McPherson Square. Who was McPherson? After a quick search on the internet, I found that it was named after Union Major General James McPherson. McPherson was born in Clyde, Ohio on November 14, 1828. He was an exceptional West Point graduate, graduated first in his class for the class of 1853. He would eventually serve alongside or against some of his classmates, which in itself really shows the extent of which how, how destructive the Civil War was, not just in terms of the casualties, but the, the loss of unity that we had as a nation for those years. And McPherson was more of an engineer kind of person, or at least he was assigned to more of those roles. And he actually helped out with some of the efforts of securing Alcatraz, which of course was used as a prison for all those years up until I believe the 1950s or 60s. And McPherson was very, very happy in San Francisco and in the West. And he met a beautiful woman named Emily Hoffman. Uh, She had come from Maryland actually and he thought in the, she was the love of his life and had all these plans to marry her. But ultimately, the Civil War really halted so much of the lives of people, including McPherson. And instead of having the wedding around 1861, I guess, I'm guessing that that was around the time that the wedding was going to be planned, he decided to fight for the Union cause, which is is a remarkable feat. I think it's... It's very telling when I read about some of these stories of Civil War soldiers and veterans that they would be serving 
even when so much of their lives are already put on hold. And McPherson wanted to transfer to back east, and so he decided to take on a, a position with Major General Henry Halleck. As someone who graduated first in his class, McPherson certainly used that to pay off for his remarkable achievements in the Union Army. He rose very quickly. Uh, he was even in the major battle of Shiloh. Uh, he was actually, because of the work that he did that culminated in the Battle of Shiloh, he was promoted to Brigadier General. And he, soon after, not just a few months later, he was promoted to a Major General. And the Army of the Tennessee needed a new person to replace then outgoing William Tecumseh Sherman, obviously one of my favorite generals to study, for obvious reasons. General Grant promoted the young James McPherson to head the Army of the Tennessee to replace outgoing General Sherman, who would be leading that the major forces, Union forces in the South. It is also worth noting that McPherson was also part of the Union victory at Vicksburg. Vicksburg was that last major Confederate stronghold along the Mississippi, and when the Union placed a siege on it, it surrendered. And because of that surrender, the Union was able to control that Mississippi River and divide the Confederacy, which ultimately proved to be a very, very huge strategic win that ultimately helped the Union win the Civil War. McPherson was part of a larger campaign and one that I think people have heard of. It's just called the March to the Sea, led by General Sherman. And he was mainly active in Georgia, North Georgia, a lot of skirmishes over there. And ultimately, it came down to a major battle in Atlanta. Atlanta was a huge logistics hub for the Confederacy. A victory in Atlanta would, be, would have been huge for the Union, certainly huge for General Sherman. Now, after a series of defeats, the Confederate President Jefferson Davis decided to replace then-Confederate General Joseph Johnston with a new man named Lieutenant General John Bell Hood. And Hood would be the one leading one of these armies to oppose the Union forces in Atlanta. And what happened was that McPherson's troops had advanced into the area, and Hood noticed that McPherson's army was not protected and so his strat Hood's strategy was to flank them from the left and the rear. And while this happened, the Confederate forces moved that way, and the Confederate forces started to, um, to come about and surprise the Union soldiers. Even though McPherson had some kind of idea that he was unprotected and that he felt that the Confederates were coming this way, uh, he wanted to get them to um, eventually leave the area. And General Sherman, unfortunately, felt that the Confederates were actually defeated and were actually the ones leaving and evacuating. And while McPherson was riding his horse, a line of Confederates came out and told him to stop. But McPherson well, as looked like he was going to surrender, but then he suddenly decided to take off. And when he had tried to escape, the Confederates fired on him, and unfortunately, they mortally wounded General McPherson. On July 22nd, 1864, while the Battle of Atlanta ultimately became a Union victory, 
The loss of General McPherson was a huge blow to the leadership of the Union Army. Some of the Union leadership actually felt this personally. It wasn't just a loss of a general. It was a loss of a friend. It was a loss of a close colleague, a very, very talented young man. General Grant obviously felt responsibility on his part as the main leader of the Union Army. General Sherman felt some personal responsibility, too, Remember when I mentioned that McPherson had these wedding plans with his uh, fiance Emily? Well, McPherson actually asked General Sherman if he could take some time off to have the wedding. And because of some other duties that were going about, I believe it was because General Sherman was leaving that position, so he needed someone there. General Sherman actually denied his request. And it was after hearing the news that General Sherman felt felt incredibly sad and very heartbroken for what he had done. And he felt that he may have taken something away from him, that he couldn't have that wedding of his life. And obviously, General Sherman, with his Atlanta campaign, you know, this is clearly a, a big, big deal when it comes to making sure that the union was going to be superior on the resources, on the strategy. But along the way, I don't know what sort of thoughts were in his mind, and maybe there's some letters out there that I can check out, but you can imagine how he knew that he was going to be losing some of these great men who were fighting for their lives. When, the most interesting, though, I would say, the most interesting person to pay tribute to General McPherson was a was his roommate back at West Point and a fellow colleague for years up until the beginning of the Civil War. That man was Lieutenant General John Bell Hood, the Confederate general. And this is what John Bell Hood wrote about General McPherson. Quote, I will record the death of my classmate and boyhood friend, General James B. McPherson, the announcement of which caused me sincere sorrow. Since we had graduated in 1853 and had each been ordered off on duty in different directions, it has not been our fortune to meet. Neither the years nor the difference of sentiment that had led us to range ourselves on opposite sides in the war had lessened my friendship. Indeed, the attachment formed in early youth was strengthened by my admiration and gratitude for his conduct toward our people in the vicinity of Vicksburg. His considerate and kind treatment of them stood in bright contrast to the course pursued by many federal officers. Unquote. When I read this, it just reminds me why we take this time to study the Civil War and why the Civil War still resonates with us today. Even though it is a series of battles and a whole long conflict that ultimately dragged on beyond just the war. It eventually ended up into civil rights and to the right for people to vote, for the right for people to just be treated equally, like all American citizens should be. What this does is put some kind of context into, again, that division that broke friendships. When places like West Point, when people were trained and were learning and fighting alongside one another, and all of a sudden, they found themselves on those opposite sides. The, the, the scale of tragedy is unimaginable. 
Uh, I'll never forget my trip uh, recently. Several months ago, I made a trip to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is not only the state capital of Pennsylvania, but it's also home to the National Museum of the Civil War. And I highly, highly recommend that museum. The people there were wonderful. Uh, The volunteers and the docents there were just absolutely amazing. I got to speak with a couple of them. And when you walk through the exhibits, I don't want to give too much away here, but my main takeaway was that there really is no way to measure the tragedy and suffering of war, and in particular, this civil war. When people like John Bell Hood write about a an opposite, if you like, when I say opposite, I mean opposite in the civil war, and I really think that this is a a, a growing, a telling sign at this point in time in American history, that people were were sick and tired of this of fighting as one another. I think there has to be some kind of point when people decide enough is enough. Why can't we? Why can't we resolve to something even better? Clearly, the Union cause was the right decision in terms of keeping the country together, even when it came at the, that time to. Um, to delaying emancipation. Obviously, emancipation was the ultimate goal, to be able to have civil rights, to be able to guarantee those God-given rights to everyone. But nonetheless, it took a huge, huge cost. And I I just, I think a lot about uh, this moment in time when it comes to the camaraderie that people used to have a bit more at that time. When people used to write letters and people used to, you know, communicate with with the hand or with the speech. You know, it wasn't a time when you could just tweet about something. You can just message about something. I hope that that sort of human connection can stay, regardless of what time period we are living in. General Sherman himself felt the need to write a letter to the fiance of General McPherson, and in that letter he wrote, "Quote." My dear young lady, a letter from your mother to General Barry on my staff reminds me that I owe you heartfelt sympathy and a sacred duty of recording the fame of one of our country's brightest and most glorious characters. I yield to none on earth but yourself the right to excel me in lamentations for our dead hero. Why should death's darts reach the young and brilliant instead of older men who could better have been spared? Memorial Day is a very special occasion in American history because we get to learn from people from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life who decided to join in a common fight for goodness, for fighting for our country's freedoms, for justice, and for opportunity. General McPherson, I don't think, had to necessarily leave that whole entire life of of being in the West. He wanted to go back East because he felt that, because he knew that the fighting was going to be so much more intense in that part of the country. That, I think, is what's really remarkable, is that he put his life on hold for something that he truly believed in. He believed wholly in the Union cause. He saw the election of Lincoln and realized what was going on with the secession of South Carolina and ultimately the Confederate States. The Civil War is just full of treasures, of stories of people who wanted to fight for something bigger than themselves. That is why Memorial Day, to me, is such an important holiday, and hopefully for you too as well. Uh, It's a wonderful American tradition for us to reflect on the stories of 
fallen soldiers like General McPherson and like so many others who came before us. I believe the least we can do as American citizens is to remember what they fought for and to live out what they wanted for us to have and the ability for us to live life to the fullest, to pay respects for those who have given up so much for the greater cause of society and for America, that is very much of the essence of what Memorial Day means. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure, again, to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Have a great rest of your week. And remember, a day in America is always better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens.